hope you enjoy this message from South City C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. Oswald, I hope you guys are going well and you've been having a good time celebrating Easter this weekend. And I am really, really glad to be here with you tonight on this Resurrection Sunday. And I'm also very, very much looking forward to what I am going to be talking about with you tonight. Some of you have been joining with me and with some others, like Rachel, who sort of helped spark this idea. And um, you've been joining in with a bit of an Easter project uh, called Graves to Gardens. And what Graves to Gardens is, is it's a, a series of activities and practices that you do that sort of help you to uh, experience the Easter message in a bit of a different way. That's been put on by some of our friends down at the Prayer Collective. And um, for those of you that have been joining in with that, I hope that as you've gone and perhaps visited a grave this weekend or uh, got up super early this morning and seen the sunrise, hope that that has been uh, something really meaningful for you this weekend. But if you have not been going through the Graves to Gardens project, that is all good because it just so happens to be the inspiration for my message tonight. So I'm going to be hitting on some of the same themes as the Graves to Garden project and quoting some parts of it as well as we look together at the beauty of the Easter story and what it means for us today. And before we jump into that, let's just take a moment Let's bow our heads and invite God to come and meet us in this space. So Lord God, on this Easter Sunday, Lord, as we reflect and as we remember the story of the cross and everything that went with that, Lord, the story that is so central to our faith, Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts to see new things tonight. Pray that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear, and that your word would go deep in the soil of our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Well, Jesus himself once spoke and said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a seed goes into the ground and dies, it will remain alone. But if it dies, it will bear much fruit. You see, a seed must be buried in order to come up as a new life. Said another way, it is only by going into the grave that a seed can eventually grow into a beautiful garden. We serve a God who loves to take the greatest stories of tragedy and turn them into the greatest stories of hope. And tonight, I would like to go on a journey with you. It is a journey of reflecting and remembering of a time when the, uh, when the light of the world seemed to be snuffed out, only to emerge brighter than ever before. A time where God turned mourning into joy, turned ashes into beauty, and turned a grave into a garden. We're going to visit three places on our journey tonight. The grave, the garden, and that place of waiting in between them. And the three places 
that we're going to visit tonight are places that Jesus experienced when he went to the cross, and they are also three places that we all experience in different ways in our own lives too. And it's my hope tonight that as we visit these different places, that your heart will be struck with the weightiness of what Jesus faced when he went into the tomb, the grief of his followers as they faced their greatest disappointment, and the joy that they experienced when that stone was rolled away and they realized that even death couldn't keep its grip on their Jesus. Most of all, I pray that tonight you will find hope for your own journey and put your trust in the God who can turn death into life and turn graves into gardens. So let's begin our journey and head to our first place in our Easter story tonight, the grave. So let's take a look at a few different sections of John chapter 19, starting in verse 14. It says, Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He, he being Pilate, said to the Jews, Behold your king. They cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. So he delivered them, him, him being Jesus, over to them to be crucified. And so they took Jesus and he went out, bearing his own cross to the place called the place of a skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. And there they crucified him. And with him, two others, one on either side and Jesus in between. Jump down to verse 38 with me. It says, After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen clothes with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was, fittingly, a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. A very key part of the Easter story that's important for us to understand is that the God of unlimited power came and wrapped himself in human flesh and experienced death. The seed had gone into the ground and died as God himself went into the grave. Few things can make us as unsettled or as uncomfortable as a grave. To stand before one is to stand before our last and greatest enemy. The greatest robber of life, the stealer of all that is, uh, all that is good, sorry, and the thief of the time together that we should have had. 
The enemy called death is an enemy who works against all of us in some different ways. And sadly, it's an enemy that all of us must come face to face with eventually. As it says in day one of the Graves to Gardens project, death isn't something we like to give much airtime to in our modern culture. Yet it is the inevitable culmination of each and every human life. Some deaths feel dignified or even beautiful, the closing paragraph of a long and fulfilling life story. Others feel tragic, unfair, or even cruel and challenge our sense of well-being and hope for a more perfect world. Whatever the context, we must grapple with death in order to understand and experience the true power of resurrection. I remember there was a man in my parents' church named Steve. And at one point, Steve started to realize that he was having a bit of a difficult time swallowing things. And so at first, it wasn't too obvious, but it started to get worse over time. And so his wife sort of pushed him to go and make an appointment uh, with his doctor. And so he went and saw his doctor. And the doctor said, well, that's a bit concerning. He said, I'm going to have you do a few tests and get a couple of scans. And so Steve did that, and he received the kind of news that none of us ever hoped to receive and found out that he had a very advanced stage of esophageal cancer. And so that was pretty hard for him to find out. And so he and his family started going on the journey of chemotherapy and the treatments that they were going to have to go through. And um, one night I remember I was at a Bible study that Steve was at. And he happened to be mentioning that that day he had really hurt his back. And so his lower back was really bothering him. And so I said, oh, could we pray for your back and just ask God to heal it? And he said, yeah, of course. And so all of us at the Bible study sort of got around him and laid hands on him and we prayed for his back to be healed. And as you do, when you pray for healing, we asked him to try it out and see if anything felt different. And so he did and he found to his great surprise that all of the pain in his back was gone. And then you could see in that moment, he started having the, the wheels were turning a bit and he started to go, well, if God can heal my back, then God can probably heal my cancer too. And so he said, would you guys please pray for me and ha ask God to heal the cancer in my esophagus? And so, of course, we did. We laid hands on him and prayed, and we had a really beautiful time. But uh, about six months later, his cancer progressed, and sadly, Steve died. And he left behind a wife and a family and a whole lot of disappointed friends had been praying very earnestly for God to heal him. And I don't know why God healed Steve's back, but didn't heal his cancer. And I don't think there's any easy answers to questions like that. We all knew that Steve was a follower of Jesus and knew that he must be in heaven, and I think that was a tremendous comfort to us and to his family. But still, his death felt like it robbed us of time that we should have had with him. And death isn't just something we experience when someone we know or care about passes away. We can also experience death of our dreams, 
our desires, our longings. You know, maybe it's a job that we wish we'd gotten, or a relationship that ended when we really thought that they would be the one, or a diagnosis that we received that suddenly means that the list of things that we can do suddenly got a lot smaller. A baby we wish we could have, a parent we wish we could love, a spouse that we wish would love us, and on and on and on. One of the saddest things about being human is that we all experience loss and disappointment. All of us have graves in our life. And I think we miss something about the Easter story when we rush through the part where it seemed to everyone that death had gained the upper hand even over God himself when Jesus went into the tomb. To stand before a grave can feel a lot like standing before a place without any hope. And I imagine that that's how it felt to Jesus' followers when they laid his body in the tomb. And I imagine that perhaps that's how it feels to you as well when you stand before the graves of your own life. But the good news is that the story of Easter didn't end with the grave. And our journey tonight doesn't end there either. You see, the grave did not have the final word over Jesus. And because of him, it does not have the final word over you either. And I pray that as we continue along our Easter story, that you will find hope for your own journey as you put your trust in the God who can turn even the darkest of graves into gardens. So the next stop, our journey tonight, is the waiting. Yay! Who loves waiting? (laughs) Waiting, man, waiting. The day that Jesus was put into the grave was followed by a period of waiting. So before or sorry, I should say, after everything that happened on the day that Jesus died, there was a period of time afterwards where nothing really seemed to be happening at all. The seed had gone into the ground and died, but it hadn't yet sprung up as new life. And so here we find the followers of Jesus in this this weird middle place of waiting where they don't even know what to wait for or if they are even waiting for something. Because they've put all of their eggs in one basket and they have thrown themselves, head, heart, and soul into the cause of their beloved teacher, Jesus. And then they've just watched him die. Can you imagine how that felt? I imagine they thought things to themselves like, wait, wasn't he the Messiah? Wasn't he the one who would save us from the Romans? What about all the things that he said? All the things that he promised to us, all the ways that our hearts burned when he spoke. And now that he's dead, now what am I supposed to do? For the disciples, the first place that the waiting period is, is a time to grieve. During this In between time after Jesus had gone into the grave, the disciples were grieving. And grieving is the most natural thing to do 
when you've experienced a death or a loss. Listen to this excerpt from the Graves to Gardens Project. They say grief is the price we pay for love, but perhaps it's also the price we pay for having hope. Much like the disciples, we all experience grief when our hopes and our desires come crashing down. From the smallest disappointment to the greatest loss, unfulfilled expectations keep us in a state of constant recalibration where we're searching for a new route to the life that we imagined that we'd have. The unfortunate fact is that the tighter we hold onto these unmet expectations, the longer our grief lasts. As the Hebrew proverb says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Ah, but here's the big secret of Easter. In order for any hope to be fulfilled, for any garden to produce a harvest, the seeds must first be buried in the dirt, hidden, dark, and alone. Jesus spoke this truth of himself when he said, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Every plan, hope, dream, or desire we have will only be able to blossom to its fullest potential if we're willing to bury it in the ground with Jesus and completely let go of control. It is only from this dark and silent grave of surrender that true beauty can spring forth. The place of waiting is a place of grieving. But it's also a place where we actually learn how to let go of our own expectations and ideas of how we think our life should go and instead learn how to put our trust in God. And I think God allows us to experience this middle place of waiting and all the unanswered questions that come with it, not so that we will turn away from him, but so that we will turn towards him. He does this to help us to detach our sense of happiness and worth from things that are temporary and things that truly won't satisfy us. For example, when God split the Red Sea and brought the Israelites out of Egypt, they didn't go straight into the promised land. Instead, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Why would God make them wait so long? Well, God had brought Israel out of Egypt, but then he had to do some things to get the Egypt out of Israel. The people of Israel had been slaves in Egypt, and so their whole concept of who they were and their whole identity was wrapped up in who Pharaoh said they were. And if they had a chance of becoming the chosen people of God and the nation of God through whom all the other nations would be blessed, well, then they had to have a bit of heart work in that 40 years. Said a different way, there was a certain death to themselves that they had to experience so that a new, more fruitful identity could spring forth. And God took Abraham and Sarah and Moses and Joseph and the Apostle Paul and countless other heroes of the faith on the exact same journey of a grave experience that was followed by waiting, that was followed by new life. I think God teaches us 
to wait because waiting is the exact thing that we need in order to learn to stop trusting the wrong things and put our trust in him instead. And there is no safer place for you to put your trust and your hope than in the God who can turn even the darkest of graves into gardens. And then we come to our last stop on our Easter journey this evening, the garden. The darkest day in human history was shortly followed by the blazing sunrise over the greatest day in human history. Just when it seemed that all hope had been lost, something amazing happened. Take a look with me at Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 1. It says, Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat upon it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up. And they took hold of his feet, and they worshipped him. And just like that, in an instant, hope came rushing back in and swept away all of the doubts and all of the sorrows. The God who went into the grave as a dead man did the unthinkable and came out more fully alive than any man ever before him. Not only that, he came out as master over death, and conqueror over sin. The seed that had gone into the ground and died had sprung forth with the seeds of new life that would flow out to countless generations across countless nations and change the course of human history forever. Out of the grave had come a garden. One of the beautiful things about the Easter story is that it reminds us that we serve a God who is able to take our darkest moments and redeem them to create something beautiful. It doesn't mean that loss and disappointment won't come, because even Jesus promised us that in this life we would have many troubles. But it does mean that we can trust him to make something beautiful out of every mountain and every valley in our lives. Which brings us back to the story of Steve. You see, just before Steve died of cancer, he went to the pastor of my parents' church, and he made a simple request for his funeral. 
He knew that all of his workmates and his friends and his family members were going to be attending this funeral and um, that a lot of them didn't know Jesus. And so he, being passionate about his faith and wanting to share that faith with others, asked the pastor to uh, give a gospel presentation at his funeral and then to invite anyone up who wanted to receive Jesus to come forward. And so the pastor did. And I'm happy to tell you that at Steve's funeral, six people came forward, gave their life to Jesus. Though a seed had gone into the ground, new life had come forth. And I think I love Steve's story because even though we had to say goodbye to him for a little while, it fills me with hope. Hope that the God who was able to venture into the grave and emerge out the other side fully alive all those years ago is the same God who will one day raise Steve from the grave too. And until that joyous day comes when heaven and earth are finally reunited, it gives me hope that God will bring new life to us too. I believe that as we choose to put our trust in him, we will find hope for our own journey. And maybe, just maybe, we'll get the joy of watching God turn our graves into gardens. Would you guys stand with me? So we visited three places tonight. The grave, the waiting, in the garden. Jesus went through all of them. And his promise to you is that as you venture through your own graves and your own waitings and your own gardens, that he will be right there with you at your side. And I realize that for some of us here tonight, talking about our graves might be stirring up some pretty painful feelings. And I think those disappointments, those losses, and those heartbreaks can still feel pretty raw, even now. And you might be still trying to work out how to live with those and how to get healing for those things. And I can't promise you that there are any easy answers for journeying through those things. But I can promise you this, you have an Abba Father in heaven who loves you, who will go on the journey with you and hold your hand each step of the way. All you have to do is choose to trust him. And you can do that tonight. Maybe for the first time, or for some of us, maybe to sign up again to trust him. Tonight on Easter, we celebrate our God who came out of the grave. And the way that I would like us to respond tonight is in just a moment, we are going to sing one last song. And this is a song of celebration. And as you sing the words of this song, I want you to sing them as a declaration of who God is and also as a reminder to your hearts that the same power that raised Christ from the grave is here with us tonight 
and it can raise new life out of you too. And so I'm gonna pray for you tonight and then we're gonna go and sing. So Lord God, tonight I lift up every heart before you. And Holy Spirit, I invite you to come and to blow in this place with the Ruach of God, the breath of life. And Lord, tonight as we've looked at some of the graves of our own lives, areas where we can still feel those deep hurts, Lord, I pray that you would come and minister to these ones tonight. Come with healing. Come with your peace. And come with your presence. I thank you that our peace is not the absence of problems or pain. It's the presence of a person. So we invite you, Prince of Peace, come and walk among us tonight. And Lord God, as we sing the words of this song, I pray that they would act as a declaration to the graves of our lives, that death that has lost its grip on Jesus has also lost its grip on us. Lord, I pray for resurrections tonight, for new hope, fresh hope, vibrant hope, hope that fills the sails of our hearts and makes us believe that we can journey out to that horizon again. Would you come and meet us tonight, Lord? We love you, O God of Israel, O God of beauty, O God of resurrection and new life, O God who turns graves into gardens. Church, let's sing tonight. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit c3chch.org.